welcome back to another episode of Oi with the Terror Already. I'm your one of your hosts, Sandra. I'm your other host, Danielle. And this is episode 37. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> After a small break. Yeah. <laughs> two, so two holidays. Thanksgiving break. But yeah. now it's Hanukkah, so happy Hanukkah, everyone. Happy Hanukkah. <laughs> Are you doing anything for Hanukkah? Third night tonight. Um, no, not really. I don't know. Like, Dave and I don't really do a lot when it's just us, the two of us. So, like, I'm lighting the menorah and everything and doing the prayer and stuff. But um, we are having a get-together, I guess, on Saturday with my parents and Dave's parents. And I'm going to try to to do the whole like traditional like Jewish Hanukkah dinner with like a brisket and latkes and matzo ball soup and all that. So we'll see how that goes. Sounds so good. <laughs> like, yeah. So we, I'm not sure where we'll all be sitting because like the dining room, which would make sense. It's basically like almost like a clutter room or something at this point because we haven't actually used it yet. So that would probably be the best option. And that's also a room where there's some slight, like, ceiling stuff going on because we have to replace the roof still. (laughs) So it's like, well, this would be the perfect room, but then you don't really want to look at, like, ugly ceiling paints. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not that big of a spot, but it's kind of, like, over the table. So that's, like... I don't know what to do, where we should sit. What about your kitchen? Don't you guys have a... I remember a table in your kitchen. Yeah, I, well, that would work for four of us, I feel like, but I feel like it would be kind of tight for six of six. us. Yeah, so... Ugh, I don't know. Well, you'll figure it out. It would be nice to have an actual, like, normal nice dinner in the at the dining room table. So yeah. hopefully that'll happen. I was saying maybe we could just get some kind of like a spackle or something and just temporarily cover like the ceiling part at least. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, maybe we'll try that. <sighs> yeah, that'd be probably a good idea. But yeah. I don't know about you, but I've been feeling like more stressed or anxious lately. I don't know if it's because of winter stuff or holiday stuff. Or because I'm about to turn 30, but I I don't know. We we swear on this podcast, right? Like Yeah. Okay. Because I was thinking on the train and I was like, we do swear on here. I've just been feeling like a total bitch lately to everybody. Like at work, like I try to put on like a happy face and like a good attitude. And then I get home and it's just like I don't know what it is, but it's I'm just so stressed out and I think it's because of like traveling the holidays mm-hmm. like my schedule is going to be really busy later on this month and I'm just like I don't want to deal with any of it well I haven't noticed so <laughs> I guess That's you're good. not too bad <laughs> it's bad when you notice I mean I noticed you were like not texting me as much asking if I knew about crimes and stuff but like, I just was like, okay, you're probably, we're both busy. Like, I noticed you were, like, doing less, like, texting me with emojis. Oh. <laughs> I like how with you, it's always, like, you didn't send me an emoji. <laughs> so I was like, oh, Sandra's not sending as many emojis. 
what does this mean? <laughs> but I was it like, probably meant I was I just, like, <laughs> I need to text Danielle really quickly, and I forgot emojis. What did I? I, I just saw that we were less busy because of like it was Thanksgiving week. So, but. <laughs> I think it's because I knew because you had so we had like dinner like Thanksgiving, and you and I were both in Connecticut. I think you were in Connecticut. Yeah. And then I know you had a wedding last mm-hmm. weekend, so I was like, I don't want to bother her. Like, let her have her, you know, I'll, I'll talk to her next week. <laughs> <laughs> I was also going through some, like, personal stuff as well. Mm. So I didn't really want to, like, talk to anybody. Yeah. <laughs> Which is so fun when you're with family and they're like, so how's it going? And I'm like, it's fine. It's all fine. Mm. It's like the, the meme you sent me earlier where you're like, it's fine. Everything's fine. I know. <laughs> it's like everything's not fine. Yeah, it seems like we were kind of on like the same page with that, which is kind of funny because I feel like we don't always match up with our moods. Yeah. Usually so. I can tell with you, like it's with you, it's not like the emoji stuff. With you, it's more <laughs> of just like how short your texts are. Mm. Like if they're really short or like a one word, I'm like, okay, either she's busy or she's mad, and I'm not sure which. So. Or both. No. <laughs> yeah, I do get mad easily. Although not really easily at people, easily at like situations. Yeah. Like when you texted me sure earlier, I was like, oh shit, she's mad. Oh no, that was just a normal one. <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry. I feel like actually I do make it a point to respond to you with exclamation marks or I feel like like, I don't know why. Like, I feel like with other people, sometimes I don't even have any exclamation mark it's, or a period. But I feel like with you, I know I have to have exclamation <laughs> marks or you'll think something's yeah. up. So I did forget to do that exclamation no, like, mark. Shit, she's mad. Okay. <laughs> How do I get home faster? No, I was literally just like eating chocolate pretzels and watching... Oh, nice. Drag Race Canada when I texted that, I'd, so yeah. I was relaxed. <laughs> I literally just shoved, like, a bowl of cereal in my face because I was like, I'm starving, I need something, and I caved and I ordered dinner, and I shouldn't, but oh well. Oh. So that'll get here later. Yeah, we probably should get started because it's right before yeah, dinner so time. I'm starving, so yay. Okay. I mean, could those be our always of the week? I or, guess so. Are those basically what I was going to cover anyway for my Yeah, I guess like just feeling like really stressed out and kind of like out of it. It's just like, and then the, hol- the holidays are always such a weird time too. Yeah, I like, know. For me, like, also I found out that one of my grandparents, not my grandparents, one of their friends that I've known since I was like young, like passed away over the weekend. So that was hard but yeah I don't know I just feel like there's always like more like death and sadness around the holidays than there was when we were like kids because <laughs> yeah. we're older we we've known more people yeah. by now so yeah I know that stuff does seem to like turn up more around the holidays just a lot more emotions that's why there are so many movies about the holidays and everyone keeps watching yeah. them I watched a really good a lot of drama I watched a really good one on Netflix uh, it took place in Scotland, and it had Brooke Shields in it. Can't remember. Oh my God! Wait, well, isn't it called like? Wait, you just bought me a castle. There's castle or in the title. <laughs> Let me see if I can find it. 
It's like I bought a castle for a yeah, because Carrie but... Ells isn't it from like Ella Enchanted and the Princess Bride? Yeah, I, well, I saw the I saw the teaser for that. On so that I watched college. it with my stepmom on Saturday, <laughs> and my sister also watched it too. She, yeah, so it's called Castle. Is it called Castle for Christmas? Castle. Oh. And honestly, yeah, like I, but I'm such like a, a dork. Like I loved it. My stepmom loved it, and my sister hated it. So that just kind of like. <laughs> I mean, it definitely seems like a for sure this is we're Netflix, but we're now making Hallmark yeah. movies genre of Netflix. I mean So you have to know what you're really getting into. You can't go in no, with expectations you, that it's like a regular no, you, movie. you also you can't go in with any expectations. Like none. Especially <laughs> for these type, because like Netflix is like just starting the Hallmark genre. They've only been doing it for like two years now. But I really liked it. I thought it was really good. And it had like Scottish accents and beautiful scenery. Like that's right. how you get me. That part, that's- yeah, that did interest me. And a castle yeah. in Scotland too. So, so I'm like, I'm really like, I'm also watching this movie and I'm thinking to myself, damn, I am an easy target. You literally just need like Scottish accents and a castle and I'm good. <laughs> they for sure made it based in Scotland because of mm-hmm, Outlander. Probably. I'm sure. Yeah, Probably. Because Netflix also has Outlander on it. It does. I'm excited for the new season. Yeah. Whenever that'll March. happen. Yeah, spring. So around my birthday. Yay. What a good <laughs> thing. Around my birthday. <laughs> so. All right. I guess we should get started. So the only hint I think I gave you was that mine. What did I say to you? Something about like it's based on a song from 1954. Yes, something about a song. So it's mentioned in a song that was sung. I forget who sung it back in like 1954. So the story that I'm doing this week is the Sandman. You know the song? Yeah. Yeah. Like. Wait, you haven't done this one before? No. Nope. Not yet. Why didn't? <laughs> Hmm. I still don't think so. No. Sandman. I haven't yet. I feel like I like wrote that or typed that in recently. Maybe <laughs> not. Maybe we were talking about it before. Maybe. Maybe you and maybe Dave like knew. I don't know. I don't know. Did you did you hmm. give Dave my hint or did he not ask? No. Yeah. Well, give him the hint and see if he gets it right. <laughs> Okay, so like I said, I decided to pick the Sandman this week because I well like I was kind of interested, but I was also like I don't know if it's that like big of a thing. I don't know like if it's just like us, like our culture. Um, and I also was trying to figure out if the Sandman was like good or like evil. So that's a whole kind of debate hmm. too. Like some sources say that he's evil, and some sources say that he's good. So basically. The story goes that the Sandman is said to be a little man who visits children and he uses his magic sand to lull them to sleep and give them wonderful dreams. This is said to be why children, or sometimes adults even, wake up with what they refer to as like sand in the corner of their eyes. It's supposed to be the leftover dust Mm -hmm. that he drops. The initial and what was supposed to be a simple idea of the Sandman um, seems to have actually first appeared in Germany. So it was a German slash French dictionary published in 1771 that explained that the German idiom, excuse my pronunciation, Der Sandman Kant, 
which means the Sandman comes, uh, meant that a person looked as if they would soon be asleep. And then in a 1798 German grammar dictionary, the same idiom was actually used and described as a humorous thing adults say to a child when they rub like the sleep from their eyes or when they're getting sleepy. That's implying that the Sandman had just like visited them and sprinkled like the sand into their eyes. So it also may have even been around longer. No, it actually has only really been around since 1771 when it became like the idiom in a language that proves a phrase has a very like common use. So it's likely that the simple Sandman joke had been around for quite a while um, and that it started in the German culture either in 1771 or before 1771. Then in 1917, there was a scary variation of the Sandman, and this was created by a German author known as E.T.A. Hoffman. He wrote in a story entitled Der Sandman, or The Sandman. The story is an intriguing blend of science fiction and fantasy, which begins with the lead character describing an odd set of events from his childhood. These included his nurse telling him a terrifying story about a Sandman who throws sand into children's eyes to make them fall out or fall asleep. And then he feeds these to his own children on the dark side of the moon. This oddly threatening story was reinforced shortly after when a strange man who visits the boy's father nightly in secret threatens to cut the young boy's eyes out for daring to peek in on the visit. And instead, the man beats the boy soundly after the boy's father begs him not to, and he blinds the boy. Days later, the boy's father is killed in an explosion during one of these secret nightly meetings, and the threatening man disappears. And then it goes to saying how the real story is now introduced where the lead character is now grown up and believes he has once again encountered the threatening man who he believes actually killed his father. And essentially, Hoffman's story itself never comes back to the topic of the Sandman, which in context could be only seen as the nurse warning the boy to stay out of the way. Hoffman's story was also a one-off of the one-off use of the Sandman that German readers all would have recognized as just as inventive use of, of like a, what they refer to as like a going idea. But overall, Hoffman's Dear Sandman was also a very good story, which was noticed by other Europeans. Then in 1834, his story was translated to English and included in an annual gift magazine called The Keepsake, which was a yearly uh, compilation of fine art and good literature intended to be given as a gift around Christmas time each year in England. Although like his story was like really strange and scary. Um, this was a time in England when ghost stories were told as part of like Christmas festivities and children were told these stories kind of all the time. Um, and it is a really good kind of creepy tale that does fit right into that. And it seems like likely that someone may have like gone back to ask about the original idea of the Sandman after this publication happened because that would explain what happened next regarding the Sandman history. So then in 1841, Hans Christian Andersen, who everybody knows from, well, I know from mostly The Little Mermaid, um, published one of the collections of fairy tales that eventually came famous for. In this particular collection, there's a story called Ole 
Co, which was about a little man in nightclothes or pajamas who used magic umbrellas to bring good dreams to the good kids and dreamless nights to the bad kids. The name Olukoi roughly translates to Mr. Shut-Eye, which makes sense since he coaxes children to sleep and to either have dreams or to not have dreams, depending on if they're good or bad. And then um, in the first English translation of Han Christian Andersen's story, which was in 1846, we're told that old Lukoi um, would, among other things, flick sweet milk into children's eyes so they would start to shut them and not see him, which agrees with Anderson's original tale. Um, and then in 1852, two different new translations of the story changed into detail about the sweet milk to be a certain powder. And then another version says dust. One of the two directly mentions the German idea of the Sandman in a footnote of the story. And then by 1861, new translations of the story simply renamed the characters to be the Sandman instead of old uh, Lukoi. And so the old German idea was assigned to a whole new life in English literature. Although, unfortunately, it looks like that didn't last too long. Aside from the altered version of Anderson's fairy tale, the Sandman often got brief mention in new stories and poems. And then these slowly started to evolve into... The Bringer of Dreams. By the 1890s, new poems about the Sandman paint a slightly different character. Still, the envision of a small man or even sometimes a child in nightclothes or pajamas, there aren't really any magical umbrellas. Those usually are replaced by, um, by a bag of sand that brings one to sleep. And there are just other things that have kind of like changed over time. And then... Basically, in television. So, the Sandman has been mentioned in different television shows. A lot of them have been in Germany um, and, and, and Canada, oddly enough. And then, basically, the Sandman, surprisingly, was also mentioned in a few comics, which I was kind of surprised at because when, like, I think of comics, like, you don't really think of the Sandman. You think of, like, other superheroes but um the sandman actually was mentioned in marvel mystery comics and in that comic the sandman actually lives in the land of dreams which is located in the realm of fairies within the poten potentially imaginary world of nowhere the sandman is said to rule over the realm and would place a blanket over it every day those who grabbed a dream from the dream tree would then have been would then have a dream based on whatever they grabbed from the tree and awaken again when the Sandman removed the blanket over his land. Anyone who did not grab a dream would end up in an internal dream of sleep. They also, uh, he also is mentioned in by um, another comic called The Sandman for Vertigo Comics that was written by Neil Gaiman. And I think the most common thing that I know of is how the Sandman is mentioned in music. Um, like I said, in 1954, the song Mr. Sandman, uh, which was performed by the Cordettes, written, mm -hmm. written by or featured in Roy Orbison's In Dreams. And that basically just tells the story of like how they want like Mr. Sandman to like bring them dreams and sing them to sleep. There's also been... I believe there's been another song called Blood Red Sandman by Lordy. And that was in, that was recorded by The Seekers. 
and it's mentioned briefly in the song's head first slide into Cooperstown on a bad bet by Fallout Boy and was also featured in Farewell and Goodnight from the Smashing Pumpkins album uh, called Melon, Collie, and the Infinite Sadness. Ed Sheeran even has an album that contains a song named Sandman that refers to the Sandman bringing magical dreams. <laughs> wait, wait, repeat that last word. Uh, Ed Sheeran? Yeah, Ed Sheeran apparently has an album that contains a song that's called Sandman that refers to the Sandman bringing magical dreams. That I got from Wikipedia, oh so God. like I didn't have a chance to fact check it, but I would not be surprised. <laughs> oh my God. I was not expecting that. Yeah, that was a lot. That was one of my longer ones, I think, that I've done in a while. <laughs> No, the the, the whole Ed Sheeran thing just threw me through. Well, Ed Sheeran, I don't know. I feel like with Ed Sheeran, you either, like, love him or you don't. Like, there's no, like, middle ground. He appeals to everyone, even Sandman (laughs) fans, apparently. apparently. Yeah, and he's so widespread. And also because of this topic, I've had the song Mr. Sandman stuck in my head, like, all day. Mm -hmm. Because it's, like... Yeah, that jingle so annoying (laughs) but yeah so that was my topic this week was the sandman i thought it was interesting and i was kind of surprised that it like started with like germany but i also was like kind of not because i feel like every yeah i don't think i do that starts somehow is connected to like germany um at least most of them but i thought it was interesting how it's like he's kind of changed like once again it's another thing that's like changed over time and can be seen as good or bad depending on like who you talk to and the fact that there's a comic book or several comic books where he's a character is mm. that surprised me, I think, the most. <laughs> Cause I like learning kind of like the etymology of these mm-hmm. stories, like, oh, you have crusty things around your eyes. Well, it's obviously a old man <laughs> sprinkling dust. <laughs> like, how does this stuff Yeah. <laughs> get made up well because the child has a question and somebody answers it using a story and that story gets published and then bam you've got you got a folktale for like 200 years now but i thought i don't know i thought it was interesting because i don't know i honestly don't know why i picked the sandman i think i was like oh i haven't like done this topic yet and this seems interesting Mm. and why not yeah classic classic so yeah everyone tonight when you sleep if you have good dreams, you're pulling dreams from that, whatever. If you don't have any dreams, then, or no, it's if you have good, if you have dreams, then you're good. And if you don't have dreams, then you're bad. I always prefer to not have dreams. So I guess that just makes me want to be bad. But I'm not sure. Yeah. So what happens? What does it mean if you have a dream, but it's a bad I dream? I didn't say. It just said if you have any dream, you're a good kid. If yeah. you don't have any dreams, you're a bad kid. My dreams are always weird, so I always welcome the sleepless nights, like the dreamless nights. A lot of these folklores are based on teaching kids lessons. Yeah, I guess this one is like, shut your eyes and and don't try to like, sneak or peek or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) You better go to bed. (laughs) Yeah.
my topic has nothing to do with sleep. <laughs> I'm excited because, like I said, yours, the picture that you sent me looked like somebody from, like, the Adams family. Yeah, the he looked like the dad yeah. Gomez. Is that, yeah, the it's like the slicked back, gelled hair yep. look that does not work on a lot of men. No, but they think it did. <laughs> yeah. um, so it did take place in the 30s. So I sent Sandra a photo of this like middle-aged guy and he was super dressed up in this suit and like slicked back hair and classic 30s look. I will be talking today about the disappearance of Joseph Force Crater. Okay, I don't think I've heard of this one, so... On August 6, 1930, New York Supreme Court Judge Joseph Force Crater vanished from the streets of Manhattan near Times Square. The disappearance of the well-known 41-year-old sparked a massive investigation. Crater became known as the Missingest Man... In New York. I thought that was kind of funny. Missing guest. Missing guest? <laughs> yep. Missing guest. Um, the judge was born to Irish immigrants in 1889. He was raised in Pennsylvania and got his law degree from Columbia University in 1916. He was the eldest of four. He started as a law clerk and worked his way up to become a successful lawyer. He met his future wife, Stella Mance Wheeler, when he helped her secure a divorce from her husband. They married in 1917. He created strong connections with power players in New York City. In April 1930, Governor Franklin Delano Roosevelt appointed creator to the state bench. Rumors were swirling that he may have paid off Tammany bosses for his newly appointed role due to his newly appointed role. And this added to his shady reputation that he already had because he apparently had a fondness for showgirls. Shortly after this, on on August 3rd, 1930, he returned to New York from Maine leaving his wife Stella behind. He told her that he would return within the week, and it was actually her birthday on August 9th. So on August 6th, his law clerk recalled seeing the judge destroying various documents, and then he proceeded to move different portfolios of papers to his Fifth Avenue apartment. He also later that day arranged for $5,000 to get withdrawn from his bank account. Um, so there are some like kind of odd things going on at one time that kind of made the law clerk notice this was going on. So the same evening, the judge left his office and bought a ticket to a Broadway comedy called Dancing Partner. He had a meal that night with a lawyer friend, William Klein, and a showgirl named Sally Lou Ritzy. <laughs> That's like the perfect showgirl <laughs> name. Um, and I guess she was also his mistress. So they all met for a dinner at a Manhattan chop house, which I think yeah. is a steakhouse. I think that's I a steakhouse. Know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> pork chop house. What's this? <laughs> they, they only make, they serve pork chops. So the last time his companion saw 
Crater was when he was walking down the street outside the restaurant, likely on his way to see the show. The judge got a taxi cab at 9.30 p.m. and they drove west on 45th Street. However, this story later changed by his companions, and they later stated that they were the ones that entered the cab, and Crater was actually the one left behind. The news of its disappearance became public on September 3rd, almost one full month later. Apparently, few people noticed that Crater was missing, which it sounds a little strange because he's, at, he's married, so it's not like he didn't have anyone like she was literally waiting for him in Maine but maybe besides his wife no one else noticed so after never returning to Maine his wife made several calls to friends in New York but it wasn't until August 25th when the judge failed to appear for the opening of the courts that an investigation officially began so this did lead to an eventful manhunt investigation his suspicious behavior in the days leading up to his disappearance created much speculation on what could have happened. The main theories going around were either that he likely fled the country or was a victim of foul play. The story got so much attention that pulling a crater briefly became a known phrase to describe someone going AWOL. Comedians incorporating the missing judge and started incorporating the missing judge into their stand-up routines using the line, Judge Crater, call your office. On January 21st, 1931, Crater's wife found envelopes filled with stocks, bonds, and a note in his dresser, which had been empty when police uh, previously searched through it. Joseph Force Crater was declared legally dead in 1939 per his wife's request. So after this, Crater's wife lost their Fifth Avenue apartment and lived off an income of $12 working as a telephone operator in Maine. She married for a third time on April 23, 1938 to Park Coons, an electrical contractor from New York. But they later separated, and she passed away at the age of 70 in 1969. So apparently, Crater's disappearance also impacted the lives of three women, June Brace, Vivian Gordon, and the previously mentioned Sally Lou Ritzy. Following the events of August 1930, Sally Lou Ritzy, the mistress and showgirl, fled the city and was found living in Youngstown, Ohio in September, citing that she had left following news of her father's illness. For years, not much was known about the remainder of her life, but this all changed in 2014. Following the publication of The Wife, The Maid, The Mistress by author Ariel Lawhorn, she received an intriguing email from Bert Weist announcing herself as Ritzy's granddaughter. Bert Weist recounted her grandmother's story, stating that after leaving, Ritzy changed her name, got married, and had a child. Rather than meeting fate, a fate as tragic as her lover's, Ritzy would go on to lead a relatively healthy and successful life before dying peacefully in 2000. Other showgirl, June Bryce, was thought by the public to have been a part of Crater's disappearance as well. She was seen speaking to him the day before he disappeared. 
it was thought that Bryce was actually the mastermind behind a blackmailing scheme. It was also thought that one of her gangster boyfriends may have been the one to kill Crater, but June Bryce disappeared herself only to be found years later in 1948 living in a mental hospital. So the third woman was Vivian Gordon, a high-end prostitute with powerful connections, including gangster Jack Legs Diamond, organized crime figure Arnold Rothstein, and American Madam Holly Adler. On February 12, 1931, Gordon lost custody of her 16-year-old daughter as a result of a conviction. Um, and five days later, she actually was murdered. So in tw- 2005, there was an update to the case. New York police revealed new evidence about the missing man. A woman who recently died in 2005 had left a handwritten note behind. In the note, she claimed her husband and several other men, including a police officer, murdered the judge and buried him under a part of the Coney Island boardwalk. Unfortunately, this location was excavated when the New York Aquarium was being constructed in the 1950s, so they were never able to confirm if that was the actual location. Um, So it seems like because of that, the disappearance of Judge Crater will always remain a mystery. Wow. That's crazy. (laughs) I just love that it has, like, showgirls and gangsters. (laughs) So New York. politicians and yeah there are like so many different factors and like types of crimes embroiled in it that's just so like 1930s new york yeah it lives up to the decade (laughs) that's crazy though that like as early as like or as recent as 2005 like people are getting tips about it hmm well, he was the missingest man in New York. <laughs> the missingest. Wow. <laughs> I feel like that should be part of the title for your part. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's that's also crazy how like because you hear about like people like disappearing and stuff, but like you think that they're eventually gonna be found or something. Mm-hmm. And usually it doesn't happen with, like, middle-aged men. No. Unless there's something really sketchy going on. Yeah. Also, I just love, like, the names. Like, his wife, Stella. I love that name. I don't know why. (laughs) And the the showgirl's name. Mm. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Sally Lou Ritzy. Yeah. You kind of can't do better than that for, like, a showgirl. (laughs) But also, like, that poor wife, too, to be abandoned in Maine by her husband. I know. But, yeah, I I didn't – I was a little confused when I read that from this one article that they made it sound like either his wife didn't really make much of an effort to contact people when he didn't come back or, like, she tried but she was the only one and no one else made much of an effort. Like, it said something about – they made it sound like she didn't even try to do anything until around yeah. 10 days after he was, which is like, seems a little odd. Maybe she, maybe she knew something. I know. I was thinking that like, maybe she was a part yeah. of it and 
she was married a few times and it didn't sound like had kids. At least I didn't read that. So I don't know. Maybe she just wanted to do her own thing. You can't really blame her for that. But then. I mean, he didn't sound like a stand up no. guy. So. Nope. So, yeah. yeah, that's the other thing, too, is like he, she probably knew that he had like a mistress or like a few mistresses or whatever. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's also like the stereotype of like. And the Sopranos, they call them gumas. I think. Why? The mistresses. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> or the wife is the guma. One, of, One them. of them. The mistress or the That's wife. Weird. I don't ever be, want to be referred to <laughs> as a guma. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. They... I don't know. I don't know if it's like slang or if it's actually Italian, but it sounds funny. It's probably like a combination of both. <laughs> is my guess. Dave and I love the word gabagool, though. <laughs> That's, I think, the fa- our favorite Italian or fake Italian slang. Gabagool. It's some type of deli meat, but I think it's, like, not the official word. So you guys just say that to each other? Yeah. <laughs> we'll just be like, I want the gabagool. But neither of us knows what it is. It's funny. Uh, well, thanks for listening to another episode. So, as always, we usually, for the most part, have new episodes every Thursday, unless it's around the holidays. And you can find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else you can find podcasts. If you have any suggestions for stories or topics, you can email us at oywiththeterroralready at gmail.com. Um, You can follow and like our posts on Instagram and Facebook. And those are both Oi with the Terror already. Yeah, I think that's it. We'll see you all next week.